MSW Media. This is the Daily Beans for Wednesday, September 1st. This is not Allison Gill. This is not Dana Goldberg. They are on vacation. This is Greg Oliar. I'm your host for today and for tomorrow. So for the next two days, sorry to say, you're stuck with me. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. We begin in Afghanistan. Muller, she wrote, our own AG tweeted, that feeling when CNN reports that negative talking points about Biden Afghanistan are Russian and Chinese disinformation, and the examples of disinformation they give are the same quote-unquote facts CNN has been reporting. Tells you about all you need to know. I have a little substack called Prevail, and I wrote a big in-depth article about Afghanistan that dropped, I guess, yesterday, the 31st. As you're listening to this, I want to read a little bit about this because I think it's important. One thing that CNN and the other major media companies are failing to provide is context and nuance, and I want to provide a little bit of that. So let's talk about the time a hegemonic Western imperial power tried to pull its military forces out of Afghanistan. The year is 1842. The British Major General, the wonderfully named Sir William Elphinstone, reaches an agreement with the Afghan prince, Wazir Akbar Khan, who promises safe passage for the troops as they retreat from Kabul to Jalalabad. There are 4,000 soldiers under Elphinstone's command, as well as some 12,000 civilians, family members, servants, workers, Indian sepoys. The plan is to brave the 90-mile path through the Hindu Kush to the British garrison on foot. As part of the ceasefire, gunpowder had to be surrendered, so they're at the mercy of the bellicose Afghans in prime ambush position in the hills above. Also, it's early January, the road is snowy and treacherous, and it's freezing cold. As the company sets off, Akbar Khan yells to the Afghan tribesmen, spare them, in Persian, which the British understand. But in Pashto, which they cannot understand, he yells, kill them. And so the tribesmen attack. Some of the Indians survive the shelling and the frostbite, returning to Kabul to be sold into slavery, most did not. Of the 4,000 British troops who set off on the journey, only one, one, made it to Jalalabad alive. Elphinstone, who had stubbornly refused to turn back and seek shelter when the double cross became clear, died in Afghanistan, along with 3,998 men under his command. It was the worst defeat in British military history. When the prime minister heard the news, he literally had a stroke. The massacre cinched the reputation of rugged Afghanistan as the graveyard of empires. Fast forward to 2021. This time, the hegemonic Western power with troops in Kabul is the United States. This time, the Afghan leader we don't trust is the head of the Taliban. But this time, well over 100,000 people are airlifted out of Kabul, out of Afghanistan completely, to safety. Yes, there are some Americans still in the country. Americans who blithely ignored the State Department's warnings to get out immediately that began back in April. As with Americans who choose not to get vaccinated, Biden can only lead the horses to water. If they choose not to drink, that's on them. Yes, people died in the evacuation effort, including 13 service members. I became physically ill hearing the news of the bombing that claimed their lives. But realistically, the chances were slim of getting that many people out of Afghanistan that quickly in a period of tumult, without sustaining any casualties. Under the circumstances, the result was almost miraculous, quite unlike what the frenzied press rushed to present in the initial hours of the evacuation. The U.S. military achieved something that no other country has ever come close to accomplishing, not even the mighty British Empire at its apex. That is what those 13 heroic service members died for. Joe Biden did not fail this past week. CNN did. Next, Hurricane Ida, sending my thoughts and prayers to folks in Louisiana and Mississippi who are now surveying the damage wrought by Hurricane Ida. New Orleans might be without power for a full month, which seems just 
unthinkable. The good news is that, per the Washington Post, the new levies seem to have held. Also, the federal government is already working like gangbusters to help out. We no longer have a president who will show up to a disaster site and throw rolls of paper towels at the victims. It's nice to have a functional government. But here's the detail that really stuck out for me. During the height of the storm, the Mississippi River flowed backwards for like a few hours. This is the sort of thing you don't usually see outside of the Marvel Comics universe. Next up, treason. From Daniel Dale and Paul LeBlanc at CNN. On the congressman who went to Europe just to visit Hitler's favorite vacation spot. Republican rep, I'm quoting now, Republican rep Madison Cawthorn on Sunday suggested there could be bloodshed, that's in quotes, over future elections as he pushed false claims about election security and voter fraud. Speaking at a North Carolina County GOP event, Cawthorn repeated the lie about U.S. election systems being rigged and stolen, something he said would, quote, lead to one place and that's bloodshed, unquote, if it continued. And now here's a quote from him, and I will tell you as much as I am willing to defend our liberty at all costs, there's nothing I would dread more than having to pick up arms against a fellow American. And the way that we can have recourse against that is if we all passionately demand that we have election security in all 50 states, the North Carolina Republican continued, look, I've seen Dr. Strangelove as a young man beat up that tree. I think we can take him. I like our chances. Even so, I hope the FBI investigates what looks like a pretty good case of seditious conspiracy. And last, the wide world of sports. Now, Daily Beans listeners are probably not the world's most dedicated sports fans, but I want to share something with you, something that I think is important, not just for my fantasy football league in the NFL, but for winning the narrative war against the MAGA anti-vaxxers. Today, in a surprise move, the New England Patriots released quarterback Cam Newton. You know the Patriots. Tom Brady used to be the quarterback when they won all those Super Bowls. Bill Belichick is still the coach, the best in NFL history, and probably the best coach of any team sport, period. Yesterday, the Patriots beat reporter reported that Cam Newton would get the starting job ahead of rookie Mac Jones. Less than 24 hours later, Newton's gone. Why the sudden turnaround? My theory is this. Belichick got rid of him because Cam Newton is not vaccinated and has already gotten COVID more than once. He was last week out of action in COVID protocols. Belichick saw that having a guy like that on his team was going to adversely impact his chance of winning. So he cut him. The NFL did an excellent job last year managing COVID. Players and coaches all wore wristbands that tracked their movements so they could contact trace in the event of exposure. The NBA created a bubble, which kept them pretty safe. Baseball, the players are usually pretty far away from each other. But football, impossible not to be right up in everyone's face. Now, there were a few times it got dicey, as when all the quarterbacks in the Denver Broncos got exposed and the team had to start a rookie wideout who played backup in Division Three under center. But for the most part, the NFL succeeded in keeping players and coaches safe. That was last year, before the vaccine. This year, the NFL is penalizing teams who can't manage COVID. A team that has an outbreak and can't field a team for that week will forfeit. Thus, it is a competitive advantage for a team to not have any outbreaks, which means that having a guy like Cam Newton, who refuses to get vaccinated and keeps getting COVID, and is also pretty much washed up, is bad for the one-loss record. As Danny Rojas says, football is life. When NFL fans see how players not being vaccinated screws up their favorite team, when gamblers get fucked because an anti-vax player like Kirk Cousins misses a big game, when a team on the bubble misses the playoffs because of a COVID outbreak brought on by unvaccinated players, maybe that penetrates the information bubble more than anything else possibly could. College football helped integrate the South. Maybe pro football will help keep us all healthy. When we come back, Allison talks with comedian and host of Wings with Friends, Mary Upchurch. Then... Another interview with another very funny comedian, Carmen Morales. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Allison. And today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. And they provide professional online therapy. Everybody can use some help from time to time. It's hard to do it alone and it's hard to ask for help. But BetterHelp makes it easy. The counselors at BetterHelp are here to help you live your best, happiest life. They can assess your needs and assign you to an experienced licensed therapist within 24 hours. And you can be communicating almost immediately. 
You know, my own challenges with PTSD and anxiety have taught me the importance of getting support instead of trying to do it by yourself. And I love how convenient BetterHelp is. Their therapy is always available anytime from anywhere in the world. You can log on to your account and message your counselor and you receive timely, thoughtful responses. You can also schedule weekly phone and video sessions. It's more affordable than offline counseling, too. And financial aid is available from BetterHelp. And changing counselors is easy and free, so you'll have that good therapeutic match. A lot of places don't allow you to do that. BetterHelp does, and it's, it's truly an amazing gift. So visit BetterHelp's website, read testimonials like this one by user DA, who says, Dr. Millerman has made a very positive impact on my life since I started using BetterHelp. It's, I'm much more confident in myself. I've developed new healthy habits to address my anxiety with the help of Dr. Millerman. I'm so grateful for him and everything he's done. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for you, Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Today's episode is also brought to you by The Wondery, okay? It's a, it's a new podcast called Suspect. And here's the deal. In October 2008, this is 13 years ago, the residents of the Valley View apartment complex in Redmond, Washington had a Halloween party. There were dozens of people there in costume, mingling, they were drinking and dancing, but before the night was over, one of them was murdered. Now, the police had a suspect, but his story kept changing. But his DNA was at the crime scene. And when he finally came in for questioning, the detectives felt like they were a breath away from a confession, but it didn't happen. So the police focused their attention on another man, a man with a criminal record whose DNA was also found at the scene. He just also happened to be the only black man at the party. Suspect is a new true crime miniseries about cutting edge forensic science and mislaid justice about race and policing and ultimately the kinds of weighty decisions that cops and prosecutors have to make every day. Decisions that, you know, once made change lives forever. We've seen this and it's impossible to reverse, right? So I highly recommend Suspect if you're a fan of true crime, if you enjoy a podcast that looks at a variety of angles and perspectives in an entertaining and informative way. Follow Suspect on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get it. You can do it on Amazon Music too. You can binge all nine episodes ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app too. You will be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is a friend of mine in studio. I'm so excited. She's the host of the podcast, Wings with Friends. She's a writer and comedian, Mary Upchurch. Mary, welcome to The Daily Beans. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you because, well, for many reasons. I've known you for, what, like four years now? Four years, yeah. We met at the Big Pine Comedy Festival. Yep. And ever since then... We run into each other all the time. We do the same shows. We run in the same circles. Yep. And I was a very big original fan of Muller She Wrote. Oh, thank you. And I wanted to ask you about, because I just appeared on Wings with Friends, and I recommend everybody check it out. Okay. Now, this is going to air probably like August. So I've probably already been on Wings with Friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm way behind. So because this is time travel. These are podcast time travels. <laughs> so check out that episode. You can find it. Wherever you get your podcasts, by just searching for Wings with Friends. And you subscribe. You have to subscribe because that's how she outcharts Hannity. Yes. Right. It's through subscriptions. Absolutely. And that was one of my favorite things with Mueller, she wrote, is when we started to chart, we would climb up, oh. we'd beat Hannity, beat Ben Shapiro. We'd come right up there with like Pod Save America and hang out with Rachel Maddow and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, but that's good. Beating Hannity yeah. is the funnest. Yeah, that's got to feel good. So tell me about your show, Wings with Friends. Oh, thank you so much. It is a fun, just happy show about food, fun, and friends. Every episode, we try a different wing flavor, maybe something that's specific to the guest. On your episode, we had like a very quintessential San Diego wing place mm -hmm. called Dirty Birds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I ask you to tell me some wing stories. I want to find out how you like your wings. But really, it's just a vehicle to, to talk to you and find out like what makes you so special and what are you doing and what do you want? Sometimes I feel like it's a vision board. I like to put things out there like, hey, this is going to happen. So, yeah. Nice. And I got to have wings. You did. You brought me wings. They were good. You have to let me know if I can Venmo you. Oh, no. Absolutely not. No. Now, I have another <laughs> question for you because you are in the Phoenix comedy scene. That's where you started. Yeah. But now you're all over. And I was wondering how you got started in comedy. How did, because in I didn't get started in Phoenix. I grew up in Phoenix, but I started comedy in San Diego and I got a show at the comedy spot. I won it by winning a contest here in San Diego at Queen Bee's. So how did you get started in comedy? Oh, my gosh. I'm from San Diego and I started comedy in Phoenix. And yeah. I'm like, why didn't I start sooner? I was getting to that age where all of my friends were having kids, getting married and going away. And I was like, I really just need something for myself. I had always wanted to do stand up and I just never had because I was afraid. 
So I started taking a comedy class. I looked up, found Tony Visich and Tempe Center for the Arts and started taking classes because I was a big comedy fan. And when I would watch shows, I loved the host, the feature. I loved the guest sets. And I thought to myself, I was like, I think I could get an opportunity if I just had a set or whatever that's called. You know, like if I just (laughs) I think there will be opportunities. And that's kind of what happened. I started taking classes, doing showcases, and then just anything anybody asked me to do, I would do it. And then somebody I'd meet somebody else and then I'd meet somebody else. And it's just kind of grown really organically until now. I feel like I'm getting some good opportunities. I'm still hustling, trying to get into clubs and festivals, but it's just networking and try to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be funny. That's the thing, right? Although I will say that as long as you work hard and you're kind, you know, I mean, the funny is important, but I think that those two things are more important. Yeah. Sometimes. Nothing's kinder than like, here, have some wings. Yeah. That's fucking kind (laughs) as shit. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are funny, but they're jerks and they don't go, they don't get far. And if they do, they don't last long. So I think that that's important to remember. And that's true for any profession, I think, honestly. Yeah. Now, you you said you started listening to Mueller, she wrote early on. What mm-hmm. was it about the Mueller investigation and the Trump administration that that prompted you to get into politics and news? Or had you always sort of been a political junkie? Not really, no. But there was so much going on and I knew it was important. I knew I needed to know what was going on. And I was just so confused. I was, I was all over the place. And Mueller, she wrote, really helped me kind of organize, like, you know, who are the who are the players like Dara Pasca and Oleg? That was Oleg Dara Pasca. And like, I think of these names all the time. They're still in my head. These mm. Russian names all the time. But I don't know why I was thinking of Oleg, mm. but uh, we're on a first name basis. We but, hang out. <laughs> we're BFFs. <laughs> you know, just understanding what happened. And I still when I have these arguments with my dad or we discussions and I go, you know what? It still all goes back to that. If we're wondering why what's happening is happening right now, it's because of that. Russian influence. And that must be so bad for him to be clawing and kicking and screaming, not wanting to leave and and causing an insurrection and all of that. I mean, and I think it all goes back to Russia and then the NRA and then the evangelicals. I can see it. You're so good because I just talked to a cybersecurity expert who wrote the book, Bots Against Us, who talked about this is all if you just look at what Trump does and what these Republicans do, with the understanding that they're acting on behalf of Russia, everything they do makes sense. And it all comes back to the NRA because they laundered millions and millions of dollars of Russian money into Republican coffers through the NRA. Yeah. And I think that it's like Russia, the NRA, and then the soldiers carrying out the message. And they don't even know it maybe are like the evangelicals, the, you know, the anti-abortion people, the gun people, they all want their interests. And then the Trump's making money. They were like, Yes, we're going to use you, but you're going to get rich, too. And that's, I think, how they got him. Well, and it's those specific groups that are targeted by the Russians because they divide Americans. Mm. Well, he did it. He, mm. he did a good job. And I think it's Occam's razor. The simplest answer is true. <laughs> yep. And that's what I always go back to when I start getting so confused. I'm like, no, the simplest thing is true. Mm-hmm. They were looking for uh, American businessmen who they could infiltrate or like have an effect on. I'm not using the right words. No, you got it. And they found it. They use found it. Who they could use. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody with who's unscrupulous that they could get compromise on. And they did it. Yeah, they sure did. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up the NRA. And, you know, recently the RNC was hacked again. And when I talked to the cybersecurity expert, he thinks and I think that that the way that Russia keeps the Republicans in line is they have all this dirt on them through the for, for, through initial RNC hacks starting as early as 2014. And then again, the one we know about in 2016 with Cozy Bear, then it just happened again. You know, why did a group of Republican senators go to Moscow on the 4th of July? Like, that's a sign. That's that's something that you dare somebody to do to show that you have control over them. Like when they sent Manafort to be the campaign manager for Trump. Like, let's let's test him. Let's see if he'll bring us campaign data. Let's see if he'll bring your buddy Oleg Deripaska campaign data. And he did. That's those are tests. You know what I mean? One thing that really lives rent free in the back of my mind was those senators that like did not run for a reelection, like they saw the writing on the wall and they're like, I'm out of here. And I'm wondering, like, either did they not want to be compromised? Do they want to wait and run later? Like, I don't want people to forget about that. Like the Paul Ryans, even John Boehner, mm. Mitt Romney. I'm not sure if they have dirt, if you can have dirt on that guy. But like, why? What? I feel like you can tell who they don't have dirt on. Like Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, like everyone yeah. who voted either for impeachment or didn't vote against certifying the 2020 election results. I think you can sort of see, and it, that's sort of where the split in the Republican Party is coming right now, because 
You got all these people over here on one side and then you got the Trump Republicans. And you mentioned your dad. Is he a a Republican? Oh, my gosh. I am so proud of my dad. My dad is a 70 something year old white man from North Carolina, United States Marine, retired, always voted Republican, but sometimes didn't vote, didn't really care. In the last election, he voted blue. Um, and he's, yeah, I'm so proud of him. And he's uh, he's so woke, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really proud for somebody like that to make a change. And you know why? It's because of Trump. My dad was is a Vietnam vet. And, you know, is it because he talks shit about vets that and just like my dad, you know, he's like, I went to Vietnam. I did two tours. My friends died, you know, and this asshole, you know, was 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 with his bone spurs. Five deferments. And yeah. even though and I remember a long time ago, ta- you guys talking about that article about Bob Mueller and his route, you know, very privileged, whatever. But he chose, you know, to for public service. And I think I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but maybe he just he, he he sort of relates better to Bob Mueller than he does to Trump. Yeah, And that's patriotism, by the way. Why yeah. are they why are they think that? Don't get me started. I'm so angry, Allison. <laughs> I know. Me too. So angry. Yeah. Me too. Uh, I do have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Love it. Awesome. Yes. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's AG with the Beans. And this segment of the show is brought to you by Upstart. Last year was pretty brutal financially for a lot of people. We lived off our credit cards. And so now everybody's struggling with debt, high interest debt. You make those minimum payments and the balance doesn't move. It's a, it's a vicious cycle, but Upstart can help you break the cycle, get out of debt, and achieve financial freedom. Upstart is an online personal loan service that helps you pay off your debt quickly. Over half a million people have used Upstart to consolidate debt, pay off credit cards, or fund personal expenses with simple fixed payments. It's so easy, right? You just go, if your Upstart rate is lower than your credit card rate, bam, pay it. Then you're paying a low fixed monthly payment. Other lenders only look at your credit score, but Upstart looks at other stuff like income and employment history. This means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see what your rate is, compare it to the high-rate credit card debt that you have, and you can see it up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And upon approval of your loan, your funds can be available as quickly as one business day. Lots of my friends have found themselves in debt over the past year, living off their credit cards. I highly recommend you guys go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Please use our URL. Let them know we sent you, that we support them and they support us. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by Proton. This is so cool, you guys. This is a cool new app. It's it's like a, it's like business in a box. It's LinkedIn on steroids. Let me, let me explain. Because there are a lot, of, a lot of you out there. I know because you send me the incredible stuff that you make and sell there. We have so many makers and, and crafters who listen to this show. And this is another way to get eyes and get customers and manage the whole shebang if you want to. And I have an incredible free offer for you, but I'll get to it in a second. Let me tell you what Proton is. Like I said, LinkedIn on steroids. You download the app for free. Then you create your presence on Proton in fewer than five minutes. So let's say you have an Etsy store or sell stuff on your own website or other vendors' websites. This is an additional tool you can use to grab more customers, drive more sales, and drive them to your site or your service if you're not selling something physically. You can attract new clients using engaging videos, which is awesome. You can share documents right there on the screen. It's so easy to use. I I love it. I absolutely love it. You can connect your calendar for scheduling, hassle-free scheduling. And they also manage your payments all in one place. And they provide detailed reports. So you can understand your customers and analyze them. You know, you can analyze the the sales and the inventory and all that stuff. It's amazing. And right now, Daily Beans listeners, here's that offer I was telling you about. You can try Proton for free. Just visit proton.com slash daily beans. Proton has two N's. Proton.com slash daily beans. That's Proton with two N's. From there, you can download the app in seconds. That's where I want you to download the app from, from proton.com slash daily beans. P-R-O-T-O-N-N.com slash daily beans. Check it out. Again, proton.com slash daily beans. You'd be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. I am here with my friend, good friend. She's the host of the podcast called Wings with Friends. You must check it out and subscribe. Writer and comedian Mary Upchurch. And Mary, before the break, you were really mad about patriotism. And I'm with you because I feel like we need to reclaim what it means to be a patriot. Yes. Because, you know, there's a difference between being a patriot and being in a cult. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's called freedom for a reason. Freedom is free. (laughs) No, there's a hefty fucking fee. (laughs) (laughs) We have the freedom to not go to church. I have the freedom to not like the president and say it out loud or, or... you know, like, and 
what don't they understand? Yeah, like I love the memes where like, you know, I don't have a giant Joe Biden flag in my yard because I'm not a fucking weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I love my favorite is the don't tread on me flag. That's a uterus. Yeah. Or the one that has like the gay pride flag behind it. That one's pretty funny. Don't read to me. Yeah, it's the snake, but it says don't read to me. (laughs) I want to, you know, the, the gay pride one says don't tread on us either. Like I love when LGBTQ, they arm up and be like, fuck it. We're not taking this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. 100%. 100%. And I think it's it's very important. I mean, we're we're at such a crossroads right now with our our democracy. We got so close to losing it with that insurrection. And then of course, we, you know, we learned recently that Trump was going to you know, incite the insurrection act if against the Black Lives Matter protests for, you know, and the George Floyd protests. What did you think by the way about the the 22 and a half year sentence that Derek Chauvin got for the murder of George Floyd? I was glad that there was some justice. I but you wanted the max. I wanted the max. I wanted the max, but I was glad that there was justice. I still in the in the bottom of my heart feel like, you know, if this is only because somebody caught it on camera, we wouldn't be doing this. You know, but it's something and I just love how people celebrated and I was really happy for our friends who like even like felt that more deeply and have felt years of oppression and stuff to like have a little bit of justice. Yeah. But you're right. It, it, I don't think we would have had it if it weren't for Darnell Frazier and her brilliant, you know, state of mind just the, mm-hmm. to stop and videotape that. And and she's so young. It's so traumatizing. I think they they did. They gave her a special Pulitzer Prize for her work. Amazing. But I thought it was really interesting that no, not one single police officer testified on behalf, on his behalf. And I think that that spoke pretty loudly mm-hmm. about his guilt and that nobody, everybody who saw that knows that he murdered that man, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted the max. I did. But uh, 22 and a half years is not little. And he's still facing two federal indictments Mm -hmm. for George Floyd and for the 14 year old kid. He whacked in the head with a fucking flashlight. What a garbage human. Yeah, he he really is. And I think that was actually mother tried to stand up for him in court was so gross. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. uh, He's going to have a hard time. So, you know, he's going to have a hard time showing his dumb face in prison in uh, out in the world if he ever gets out. So I'm glad the justice system kind of worked. Yeah. I think it did pretty well. I I thought that they could have gone for first degree murder. I think that you could have shown intent. Intent doesn't have to be planned and deliberated over hours or days. It can be planned and deliberated in a matter of seconds. And so I think that that premeditation can happen. Do you think they were going for what they knew they could get? Yes. They didn't miss it. Yeah, I'll take it. They didn't. I think Keith Ellison didn't made made sure he he wanted a, a case that he could win, because if he didn't, if they lost that case, I feel like that's how uh, Casey Anthony got off was that it was like that first degree murder or whatever. I know there's a whole different thing, but if they had gone for slightly less, they might have been able to convict her. Now I want some comedy questions because <laughs> okay. Bill, Bill and well, it's po- political comedy. Yeah. Bill Cosby recently uh, had his conviction overturned because of a prosecutorial mistake. What happened is Bill Cosby had testified in a civil suit about the matter and been given immunity by Bruce Castor, by the way, who was Trump's lawyer in the impeachment 2.0. And because he was given that immunity, he should not have been able to be criminally prosecuted for the same crime. That is true. okay? that is correct. However, the feeling that we have and we know that he had asked for a light sentence because they said he was sick. He was decrepit and couldn't, you know, he was just old and so frail. And now he's out and he's going to do a comedy tour. Oh, yeah. Oh, you made this point, right? About uh, him and Mr. Top Hat, Monopoly guy and and Manafort. All of a sudden, you're so healthy. Yeah, gosh. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Oh, Bill Cosby. Oh, he's walking so good now, doing a strut. But as a woman in comedy, I mean, how do you think this impacts? I mean, how does it impact you? How do you think it impacts the profession? Because, you know, we deal with this shit all the time. We really do. But this kind of thing, I think, this overarching, just awful justice not being done because a lot of people who, who who survive sexual assault don't get justice for the person who assaulted them. So we look to other people's justice to get justice. And I felt a sense of justice by proxy from from him and Weinstein and to, for him to be let go. And then right alongside of seeing what was going on with Britney Spears, like what the frick justice system, you know, I think. And, and, and those are all really good tie ins because the feeling it gives me and maybe the whole community, I'm not sure I can't speak for them, but is that it's the status quo and things aren't going to change or which I don't want to have that approach. I don't want, you know, 
But in my mind, I'm like, don't you get so excited. Things are moving forward, progressing. Oh, wow. And before the pandemic, we had really diverse lineups. Things were getting better. And I feel like now we're back to like all do lineups, you know, Mm -hmm. or all like no diversity because it's like, we're just glad to have a show. So in the pit of my stomach, it's kind of like feeling like nothing's going to change. Yeah. Or we've taken steps backward. Yeah. You know, but um, we're more aware. That's true. And I think that at least for me, and I, I, I kind of feel this about you too, is you've got this optimism, right? That doesn't die <laughs> as much as you've tried to quash it. Yeah. Or else I wouldn't do it. Right. So I still like in, in, with justice, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of things that I wish Merrick Garland would pick up and start doing. Yeah. Like the obstruction of justice charges, et cetera. Volume two of the Mueller report. It's beautiful. It's all there right for you. It's a perfect report. It is, per- there's never been a better report. It's, it's perfect. It's beautiful. <laughs> you don't even have to do any more work. It's all done. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, shit takes time. So, I, you know, I feel this pressure and I feel the pressure, even though I'm not in charge of how fast justice goes. I feel like I'm trying to be the gatekeeper of sort of optimism, like sanity or impatience. Like, mm-hmm. look, 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 look. It takes years. Like, look, OK, look at the the Fonnie Willis investigation into the teacher cheating FICO thing okay. from a couple years ago. That investigation it's the same kind of investigation she's doing in, in to Trump for interfering in election, the phone call to uh, Ravensburger, all that stuff that took that investigation took like three years. You know, the Rudy Giuliani stuff. Why is it taking so long? What's taking so long? Look, Barbara Jones, who's a special master, just got a, eight billion boxes of documents. She has to go through one at a time to look for privilege. She's a special master. She has to decide what's privileged and what's not. That takes time. But, you know, I have I have to have faith that it's happening. I have to. And I think that the overturning the Cosby conviction really shows us that it has to be done right. It has to be done right. And when we when we rush, that's when shit like mm-hmm. Cosby happens. But I do feel really good with I mean, I know Mueller's like retired now. Well, that that's and fine. Bruce I, Caster's a pile of shit. But. <laughs> I still think about him often. But I think about that meticulousness that, you know, professionalism that all of these people have shown. Andy McCabe and then even uh, Merrick Garland. Like, I'm like, OK. Really trust this guy. He knows what he's doing. Like, they're going to do a good job. We just have to be patient. Did you ever find yourself going, please let me live till, please let nothing happen until the election? And now I'm like, please let everybody just stay alive until Trump goes yeah, to jail. Yeah, I've, I've, you'll remember from the Mueller She Wrote show, I was like, if I, because we might not find out what happened fully in the Mueller investigation until like 40 years from now. Oh, right. Because we just got the Jaworski report a couple of, a couple of days before Mueller. And and so I was like, all right, well, maybe there's a way they can keep my head alive, like keep my head frozen right. because I want to know what happens. And I, I don't believe in an afterlife. So it's like, ah, every time somebody passed away, I was like, oh, my gosh, they didn't get to see Joe Biden become president. Yeah. I was like, no, that, was, I know. that would be that was the worst thing about dying early, apparently to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, got 600,000 people didn't get to see, you know, Allison. I know. But again, if you think about it, if you frame it as they're doing Russia's bidding, it all makes sense. How happy do you think Russia is, you know? Yeah. And they're they're the ones fueling all the disinformation about the covid and uh, the, the GOP in Russia. So they don't want Americans to get vaccinated. They're so patient. Do you remember when Republicans would have been like super mad that Russia was trying to keep them from getting oh, vaccines? Yeah. Rocky three or two, right? Like four. Four, four. four. I mean, we used to be very anti-Russia. Remember the hockey game? Yes. <laughs> happened to the hockey game days well mary it's been so fun to talk to you thanks so much this is a dream come true being a fan and a friend and thank you for having me yeah thank you for coming to my studio and i'm by now already by the time this airs the episode i was on of wings with friends will be out and you can go hear it and i want everybody to go listen to it yeah you should listen to it because i'll tell you and when i thought about this i was like i would love to hear you as a guest because I always have, you know, hear you as the host. You're in charge. I want to hear, you know, if you want to learn about Allison and how she likes her wings, mm-hmm. you're not going to find that on on the Daily Beans, maybe. And she got me to talk about a literal dick joke I used to do. Because <laughs> yes. I always joke around about how I went from telling dick jokes to, you know, being friends with the former director of the FBI. And you got me to talk about a dick joke, an actual dick joke that was in my set. It really is a palate cleanser podcast. So listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) And have some wings. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you again. Mary Upchurch. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's AG. This segment of the show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 
There are some things in life I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me. My new mattress, my sheets, nice bottle of wine, for example. But what if you could do the same for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. This Invite to Apply thing is so great. It gives you, the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorite from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans. By posting a job on ZipRecruiter, you have access to millions of job seekers across over 100 top job sites. And according to internal data from ZipRecruiter, jobs where employees invite candidates, their favorite candidates to apply, get two and a half times more candidates. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans, all one word, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And today's show is also brought to you by, remember how they said I like to pick out my own sheets? I do, and my favorite sheets are Bull and Branch, and they are sponsoring this segment of The Beans today. And it's the little things that make the biggest difference. And the founders of Bull and Branch, husband and wife team, wanted to create a textile company that cared about the details that would make products last. And you will feel the difference in their best-selling, beautifully crafted signature sheets. These are my favorite sheets ever. I'm crazy about my Bull and Branch sheets. They're buttery soft. They're luxurious. The ultra-refined luxe fabric has this drape. It's spectacular drape. It's like that one guy from Project Runway. You remember the drape guy? It's like that. And the silken feel, which I absolutely love. The cloud weight super soft sateen weave gets softer with every wash, and it's a perfect balance of weight and breathability. So you can stay cool when it's hot. You can stay warm when it's cold. It's great for hot sleepers or cool sleepers, or just if you don't sleep hot or cool, I'm very jealous of you. But congratulations, these sheets are amazing for you as well. And they stand behind their products and honor a 30-night worry-free guarantee. So if you're ever unsatisfied, you can just get your money back. To experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com, and use promo code DAILYBEANS. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm so excited today. I, we get to talk to uh, a friend of mine. She's one of the funniest comedians working today. Please welcome Carmen Morales to the show. Hey, Carmen. Hi, greetings and salutations. Thank you for having me. Thank I appreciate you. you. Thank you for being here. The last time I I saw you, since I last saw your face, I think we were doing a Thunder Bar Bad Bad show in somebody's backyard. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure I got mushrooms at the show that night, if I remember correctly. Nice. Um, yeah, probably. that was a very good show. <laughs> yeah, you were headlining. It was fantastic. I love that show. I think we have it on video somewhere. But yeah, that was an amazing night. And ever since I've been watching you just like you're slamming, you're you'll, I, I love watching. First of all, I love watching your comedy, but I also love watching you succeed. So tell it. Oh. Tell me like how it's been, how it's been going. Well, I don't know if I don't know. Maybe you hadn't heard it. I don't know if you heard there was a, a pandemic that's yeah. still happening. And um, I don't want to be the first one to tell you if I am. I'm so sorry. Uh, but there that kind of put a, a damper on anything anybody had going. Right. But um, like one of the things that I learned was that we are as comedians incredibly not needed. We are not needed at all for society to function whatsoever. But what I also learned is we are wanted. And man, that's a nice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a really uh, a good way to a good thing to take out of the entire pandemic. But um, yeah, sure. It was like, OK, you don't need us. Obviously, we are inessential. There is nothing essential about what we do. Um, but then um, but you still want us. You still want us around. I've done uh, tons of you know shows virtually and you know whatever any kind of way people still wanted it and that kind of was like a bizarre uh way to kind of be like okay if and when things will be safe in a safer position um i will still be able to be the job title of comedian so that was nice <laughs> yeah it definitely definitely wanted but not essential and mm -hmm. not not paid as essential yeah. workers either <laughs> so, i've noticed but what would you so you did, you did virtual shows during lockdown what was that like was it weird or was it cool did, did you like it did you hate it I kind of assist, like there was a, a pioneer, like I, the 
pioneered in it not being so shitty. Um, I did a bunch of other people's and I understand why people hated them because there it was just who wants to watch apathy, right? We're already uh, dripping with it, right? Like, because just when there's not enough cognitive dissonance to go around, you need something. And uh, so all I did was I just took uh, like my role because everybody's like, what did I learn about? What did I learn I, my role in all of this is I am the celloist on this Titanic. I will be playing a symphony of my dick jokes until we are all fucking dead. That's my role. And um, and so I was like, OK, I, I have been existing on people paying to hear my thoughts and make them feel good with with my thoughts uh, for the last decade um, and man, have I gotten to see some of the, gotten to travel the world. I've gotten all of this out of it. Um, it's my time to clock in and give back and do it in a form that maybe isn't the most fun for me. Isn't the most like, mm, I can't feel the laughter. Like, sure. <laughs> it's not as good as doing it in its purest form. It's my method. I, so, so for me, the online stuff, the virtual stuff was just methadone for me. And then it was also like here. I still care that you guys are laughing as well. So it was also my way of being like, thank you uh, for, uh, you know, because uh, comedians don't really exist if people don't fuck with them. Like Seinfeld never gets a a fleet of sports cars if people don't think he's funny enough that they will keep paying him so he can keep buying fucking sports cars, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I, uh, it's uh, two things. One, I I wanted people to be inside, um, not just for a humanitarian sense, but also as a good business person. I want people to be able to be alive be able to breathe so that they can laugh after uh, this is uh, said and done or, or a point where it's manageable. Right. And so I wanted a return on my investment. OK, that's a <laughs> that's the most centrist I can smart, be about this. Smart business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Smart business model. You can't buy my tickets if you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> don't kill your audience. Kill them, but don't exactly. kill them. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want you to stay alive so I can kill. You know, I don't want you to actually die. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I, I've noticed that, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of comedians this past year and they all seem to say the same thing that they they actually really loved doing the virtual shows. And like you said, I love your methadone comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's kind of how everybody feels about it. But a, a lot of them are actually continuing to do virtual shows for because they found audiences that, you know, some people can't get out to comedy clubs like they were finding yeah. they were finding like untapped audiences of people agoraphobic people yeah. with anxiety, people like, you know, who just can't afford childcare. I mean, if you can if you can understand the state of the world, you can understand the state of like, yeah, people sometimes people don't want to go out. And if you can get if they can feel like they are supporting art and like consuming it while they don't have to go and spend a hundred dollars in order to do it with drinks and parking and food and, you know, fucking chicken tenders for the table, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> or hummus yeah. at the comedy yeah. palace. Or hummus, yeah. you know, if you know, so, but uh, for sure. And the thing was, is there was a lot of apprehension. Uh, people hate change, especially comedians hate change. So there was a lot of apprehension and there was a lot of a criticism of it until people saw people making real money from it. You know, like, um, the the biggest on the biggest scale i'd say like the rush ticks one where you know for example like a show that maria bamford did made she made like forty three thousand dollars doing one virtual show and then it was like all the people shitting on it were like oh 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 okay people still people still like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i had her on here i was talking to her about that she's like yeah it's it's amazing and she just (laughs) she just did this thing where she just like lived her life for a day and yeah. uh, like had her camera on, and I thought that that was brilliant. And she's 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 magnificent too. Of course, yeah. It's it's I love that we we had to learn to vote differently. We had we had to learn to do everything sort of differently. It's school and comedy, and I think the lessons, the some of the stuff that we take with us, I think, is valuable into the future when it does become manageable. Because I don't think it is yet. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> but I was in New York last week went down to McDougal Street. It's packed. Like people are out. They want to go see shows. And yeah, so definitely wanted. Maybe not essential, but yeah. (laughs) 
Well, that was the other thing too, is like, that was one of the criticisms that I thought was so interesting. It was like, oh, if people watch virtual shows, they're not going to go out and see live comedy. They're not going to go out. It's going to take, and, and if anything, I've seen quite the adverse effect. Like I went and did, I think I've only done maybe like three or four weeks of shows so far for full weekends. And, um, and I've had more people that I know that were like, Hey, I saw you over the pandemic and I thought you were so great. I wanted to see you live, you know? So if they, uh, people understand that they're watching something at not, it's like maybe most ideal form, then they're going to go, I want to see the good, good version of it. You know, I want to go see the the real, I want to feel it. It's, you know, there is no comparison, uh, between watching it online, but, but if it, if it's like, if it's a bandaid for people, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then if it's, uh, and if, if anything, it gets them excited, um, for them when they are able to see it live, you know? So, um, yeah, I had quite the opposite. I've had more people come out to live shows because they'd saw me virtually. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's great. And I think it's a, a really nice hybrid of things that, um, is very easily functioning harmoniously. Yeah. Yeah. And these places are packed. Um, people, you know, people need to laugh. People want to laugh. And I think that that's important. And what do you, I've been seeing a lot of comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll just say comedians. <laughs> loose term, guys. It we is mean it loosely. Quite a loose term. Uh, very subjective. But saying, you know, well, the pandemic is going to kill comedy. Comedy is over, right? It's uh, not true. And we have to like think of a whole new form or something. And I, I just completely disagree with that. Don't, don't you? I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's just that to me, that's as insane as you telling me there's a microchip in my arm right now. It's just as fucking ridiculous, you know, of no, it's not going to go away. Okay. (laughs) If anything, we wouldn't have watched some comedians just from their podcast go from being a thousandaire to making like $15,000 a month doing like doing podcasts and people wanting to see them live. Like, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And am I am I biased? Sure, but I can take me out of it entirely and go, uh, I have the evidence. The evidence is of the people online, the people that are thriving, like even the on all the assorted content creators and shit like that. Uh, among all of those, comedians are still thriving. So it doesn't matter. Will you have to do something else in addition to doing stand-up comedy? Probably, probably, uh, probably just because people are being inundated by information in general. So you will just have to be a lot of that additional information. Yeah. Yeah. True. And I mean, in its in its form, uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. There there are outliers. There are people trying new things and doing different things. We had the alt comedy thing for a while back. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the uh, Bo, Bo Burnham. We got Maria Bamford. We just different like forms. But I mean, just getting up on a stage at the store and doing your set is not going anywhere. I'm pretty sure it's not going anywhere. Yeah. No. <laughs> and the thing is, is I think for some reason, because because uh, what we do is so personal, a lot of times people take how people do comedy personally. And I've never really to me, it's just as insane as thinking that there's only X amount of rights. And if I have this many rights, then you can't. Well, if you have that many rights, then I'm losing rights somehow. No, it's like all of the kinds of comedy can exist. You don't have to like them or any any of them. You don't even have to like what you do. But <laughs> the fact that they exist is totally fine. All of it, it's all encompassing. It all is. And that's all that kind of like it's comedy just exists. The how you do it is up to you. That's kind of the really cool thing about it is the fucking freedom to be as weird or as contrived or as full of shit or, you know, all of the things. Now, are there things that I think that are like kind of skirting on the edge of like, oh, is it funny or is it hate speech? I don't know. Sure. On that end of it yeah yeah that's probably another conversation that we should have (laughs) but i still think the comedy part should exist um because it's never the thing is nobody ever goes to a comedy show and then uh shoots anybody you know nobody ever does that sure people have gotten bottles thrown at them people have gotten uh, yelled at people have been disagreed with sure all of those things exist but the whole point of the comedian uh i.e the jester slash philosopher if you want to give him that kind of intelligent kind of credit but yeah on the cusp right any of those things it's a criticism of the things that we're observing in our own world and i uh am on the side of like i would like to see all of it i want to see all of it i'm interested in uh, all of the the myriad of ways that people are viewing the world that's what makes it interesting 
Mm-hmm. So it all exists and it's all okay that it exists. And if you care about a kind of thing that exists, that probably is you. That probably doesn't have fuck all to do with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> it's not us. It's you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like it. You've got a, a tour you're, you're, you're doing now. Tell us where you're going to be in September so people can come and see you. I am the hybrid. I'm the hybrid. I'm the both. I do uh, both things. I co-host a virtual show called What Do You Want From Us? And it's an incredible concept that was created uh, by a comedian, Larry Fulford, where the audience dictates the entire show. So like they get a poll they, and they get to vote on what what is discussed, like what topics are being joked about or the whole thing. They pick the whole thing. So if the show is dirty as fuck, that's their fault. If the show is like is kind of corny, you pick I it. like it. You I like it. You, you got plausible you, deniability. You, it's your fault. Yes, it's not me. This is what you wanted. I love it. <laughs> it's like blame placing comedy. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, so I'm doing. I'm doing. Uh, I do those. He does those monthly. Um, so if, I mean, you just follow me, and you'll see when we're doing them. Um, so those you can see from the comfort of your own home. But uh, I am also traveling. So like. All of September, I'm, uh, I'm I'm moving around. I'm going to Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be there September uh, the 9th, uh, 10th, and 11th. And then I'll be in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, September 1st. I'll be in Atlanta at the Star Bar, September 6th. Uh, I'll be where else? I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be in one of my favorite clubs in the whole country, Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin. That's the 22nd to the 25th. Um, Uh, The Laughing Tap in Milwaukee. I'll be there September 17th and 18th. (laughs) How many of these do you want? I don't know how you keep all that in your head. (laughs) What's your website where people can go get the list? CarmenMorales.com for all of your Carmen Morales needs. Um, You can follow me on the assorted social media at The Funny Carmen as well. I'm also a grown woman that plays video games. That's what the pandemic has done to me. So I have a Twitch too, twitch.tv slash the funny Carmen. Everything's a funny Carmen. If you're rich, it's also my Venmo. Uh, all of it, everything, it's uniform. It's all the funny Carmen. That's me. Cause there's a hot novella actress who also has the name Carmen Morales. And I was like, you know what? You can have the hot one and I'll take the funny one. So that's why it's all the funny Carmen. I've on <laughs> Is she the hot Carmen? <laughs> yeah. She's really attractive. She's very pretty. I mean, is that her, is that her social? No. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. If it, I no, think I'm going to no, maybe not. I should be the hot Allison. I'm thinking I'll think about it. <laughs> there are other Allisons, but you know. Oh, believe me. I know. My uncle used to take a cokehead named Allison. Oh, it's probably me. No, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for for joining us today. I really appreciate this. And uh, I hope uh, everybody comes out and sees your shows. I love what you're doing. And you're you're seriously one of my favorite comedians working today. So I appreciate your time. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for having me. It's good to, you know, have a chat. Good to see you. Good to see your face. Good to see you. Good to see the funny Carmen. Thank you so much. Yay! Hope you like the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Greg Oliar. You can check out my podcast, Prevail with Greg Oliar, every Friday, available wherever you get your podcasts, which doesn't involve going to the store. Like when people used to say, available, wherever you get books, you had to actually go somewhere and get something. This is something you don't even have to go anywhere to get, which is pretty awesome, right? Um, Anyway, I'm there. My Substack, also called Prevail, drops on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Thanks so much for listening. Them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.